English teacher. Good morning, Sarah. How are you today? Sarah. Good morning, teacher. I'm doing well, thank you. How about you? English teacher. I'm great, thanks for asking. So, today, let's talk about a common topic. Regret. Do you know what regret means? Sarah. Um, I think it means feeling sorry or sad about something you did or didn't do in the past. English teacher. Exactly. Regret is the feeling of disappointment, sadness, or remorse that we experience when we wish we had done something differently. Can you think of an example of something you regret? Sarah. Well, I regret not studying enough for my last English test. I could have done better if I had studied more. English teacher. That's a perfect example, Sarah. We often regret not making the most of our opportunities. How did you feel when you realized you hadn't studied enough? Sarah. I felt really disappointed in myself and wished I had managed my time better. I knew I could have done better if I had put in more effort. English teacher. It's understandable to feel that way. Regret can be a powerful emotion. What do you think you can do differently next time to avoid this feeling? Sarah. I think I need to create a study schedule and stick to it. I also need to ask my teacher for help if I'm struggling with certain topics. English teacher. Excellent suggestions, Sarah. A study schedule and seeking assistance when needed are great ways to minimize regrets in the future. Remember, regrets can also serve as valuable lessons for personal growth. Can you think of any positive aspects of regret? Sarah. Hmm, I suppose regret can motivate us to do better and learn from our mistakes. It can help us become more responsible and make smarter choices in the future. English teacher. Absolutely. Regret can act as a catalyst for personal improvement. By reflecting on our regrets, we can make positive changes in our lives and avoid repeating the same mistakes. It's important not to dwell on regrets too much, though. We should focus on learning from them and moving forward. Do you have any questions about regret, Sarah? Sarah. Yes, teacher. Can you give me some examples of phrases or expressions we can use when talking about regret? English teacher. Of course. Here are a few common expressions. I wish I had studied harder. If only I hadn't made that mistake. I regret not taking that opportunity, or I should have listened to my parents. These phrases convey a sense of remorse or dissatisfaction with past actions or decisions. They're useful when discussing regrets. Sarah. Thank you, teacher. I'll try to remember those expressions. Is there anything else I should know about regret? English teacher. Well, one thing to remember is that everyone experiences regret at some point in their lives. It's a natural part of being human. What's important is how we respond to regret and what we learn from it. By acknowledging our regrets, we can make positive changes and strive for a better future. Sarah. That's a great perspective, teacher. I'll try to embrace my regrets as learning opportunities. Thank you for the lesson. English teacher. You're welcome, Sarah. I'm glad you found the lesson helpful. Remember, I'm always here to help you improve your English skills and discuss various topics. Keep up the great work, and I'll see you in our next class. Sarah. Thank you, teacher. Have a wonderful day. English teacher. Hello, Alex. How are you today? Alex. Hi, teacher. I'm feeling a bit down today. I'm not sure why, but I just feel sad. English teacher. I'm sorry to hear that, Alex. Sadness is a common emotion that we all experience from time to time. It's important to acknowledge and understand our emotions.
Is there something specific that's making you feel sad? Alex. I'm not sure, teacher. It's just a general feeling of heaviness and sadness that I can't shake off. English teacher. Sometimes, sadness can be triggered by certain events or circumstances, while other times, it might be more difficult to pinpoint the exact cause. It's okay to feel sad without a specific reason. It's part of being human. Can you describe what you're feeling? Alex. It's like a sense of emptiness and a lack of motivation. I don't feel like doing anything, and even the things I used to enjoy don't bring me much happiness anymore. English teacher. I understand. When sadness lingers for an extended period and affects your daily life, it's important to address it. Have you considered talking to someone about how you're feeling, like a close friend or family member? Alex. I haven't really talked to anyone about it. I thought it would pass on its own, but it's been going on for a while now. English teacher. It's commendable that you're willing to share your feelings with me. Sometimes, opening up to someone you trust can provide emotional support and a different perspective. Additionally, seeking professional help from a therapist or counselor can be beneficial in understanding and coping with sadness. They can provide guidance tailored to your situation. Alex. I see. I've never considered therapy before, but maybe it's worth trying if it can help me feel better. English teacher. Therapy can be a valuable tool for addressing and managing emotions like sadness. It offers a safe space to explore your feelings, develop coping mechanisms, and gain insight into your thoughts and behaviors. Remember, there's no shame in seeking help when you need it. Taking care of your mental well-being is just as important as taking care of your physical health. Alex. Thank you for your understanding and advice, teacher. It means a lot to me. English teacher. You're welcome, Alex. It's important to create a supportive environment for discussing emotions. Is there anything else you would like to know about sadness or coping strategies? Alex. Yes, teacher. Are there any techniques or activities I can try to help lift my mood when I'm feeling sad? English teacher. Certainly. Engaging in activities you enjoy, such as hobbies, listening to uplifting music, or reading books that inspire you, can help shift your focus and bring some joy. Additionally, physical exercise, getting enough sleep, and maintaining a balanced diet can contribute to your overall well-being and potentially alleviate feelings of sadness. Alex. Those are helpful suggestions, teacher. I'll try incorporating them into my routine and see if they make a difference. English teacher. That's a great approach, Alex. Remember, it's essential to be patient with yourself. Healing takes time, and everyone's journey is different. If you ever need someone to talk to or if you have further questions, please don't hesitate to reach out. Alex. Thank you so much, teacher. I really appreciate your support and guidance. English teacher. You're very welcome, Alex. It's my pleasure to help you. Remember, you're not alone, and things will get better. Take care of yourself, and I'm here for you whenever you need to talk. English teacher. Hello, Emma. How are you today? Emma. Hi, teacher. I'm excited because I just booked a trip to Paris for my summer vacation. English teacher. That's wonderful, Emma. Traveling is such an enriching experience. I'm glad to hear you're going to Paris. It's a beautiful city with so much to explore. Have you been to Paris before? Emma. No, teacher, this will be my first time. I've always wanted to visit the Eiffel Tower and see the Louvre Museum. English teacher. Those are great choices, Emma. 
The Eiffel Tower is an iconic symbol of Paris, and the Louvre Museum is home to many famous works of art, including the Mona Lisa. Is there anything else you're looking forward to seeing or doing in Paris? Emma. I'm also excited to stroll along the Champs-Élysées and try some delicious French pastries. I've heard the croissants in Paris are amazing. English teacher. Absolutely, Emma. The Champs-Élysées is a famous avenue known for its luxury shops and beautiful sights. And yes, French pastries are renowned worldwide for their taste and quality. Don't forget to try a croissant and maybe even a macaron while you're there. Emma. I won't forget, teacher. I'm also a bit nervous because I don't speak much French. Do you think it will be difficult for me to communicate? English teacher. Don't worry, Emma. Many people in Paris can speak English, especially in tourist areas. However, it's always helpful to learn a few basic phrases in the local language. Phrases like hello, thank you, and excuse me can go a long way in showing respect and making connections with locals. Emma. That's a good point, teacher. I'll make sure to learn some essential French phrases before my trip. Are there any other travel tips you can give me? English teacher. Absolutely, Emma. When traveling, it's important to be prepared. Research the local customs and traditions so you can respect the culture. Also, make sure to have your important documents, such as your passport and travel insurance, in a safe place. It's also a good idea to inform your bank about your travel plans to avoid any issues with your cards. Emma. Those are valuable tips, teacher. I'll make a checklist and make sure I have everything in order. I'm so excited to immerse myself in a different culture and see new things. English teacher. That's the spirit, Emma. Traveling is not only about sightseeing but also about broadening your horizons and embracing new experiences. Keep an open mind and be curious about the local customs, cuisine, and traditions. It's a fantastic opportunity for personal growth. Emma. I will, teacher. I can't wait to share my travel experiences and photos with you when I return. English teacher. I look forward to hearing all about it, Emma. Traveling provides a wealth of stories and memories. Remember to take plenty of pictures and keep a travel journal to document your adventures. It will be a fantastic way to remember and reflect upon your journey. Emma. Thank you for your encouragement and advice, teacher. I'll make sure to make the most of my trip and learn as much as I can. English teacher. You're very welcome, Emma. Enjoy every moment of your trip, soak up the culture, and have a safe and memorable adventure. I'm here to support you, so don't hesitate to reach out if you need any further assistance. Bon voyage. Emma. Thank you, teacher. I'll make sure to stay in touch. Goodbye for now. English teacher. Good morning, Michael. How are you today? Michael. Good morning, teacher. I'm doing well, thank you. How about you? English teacher. I'm great, thanks for asking. So, today, let's talk about the concept of being unmarried. Are you familiar with what it means to be unmarried? Michael. Yes, teacher. Being unmarried means not being legally or formally married to someone. English teacher. That's correct, Michael. Being unmarried simply means not having entered into a legally recognized marriage. In many cultures, marriage is seen as a significant milestone in one's life. However, being unmarried doesn't mean one is alone or unhappy. People have different preferences and circumstances when it comes to marriage. Michael. I understand, teacher. In my culture, there can sometimes be pressure to get married at a certain age. 
But I believe that being unmarried doesn't define a person's happiness or success. English teacher. You're absolutely right, Michael. Marriage is a personal choice, and individuals can find happiness and fulfillment in various ways, whether they choose to marry or not. It's important to respect different perspectives and not judge someone based solely on their marital status. Michael. I agree, teacher. It's crucial to recognize that being unmarried doesn't mean being alone or lacking meaningful relationships. There are many other types of relationships and connections that bring joy and fulfillment, such as friendships, family bonds, or even personal pursuits and passions. English teacher. Well said, Michael. Relationships come in various forms, and being unmarried allows individuals to focus on personal growth, career aspirations, and self-discovery. It can provide the freedom to explore different paths and make choices based on personal desires and goals. Michael. That's true, teacher. But sometimes, societal expectations or cultural norms can make people feel pressured or judged for being unmarried. How can someone navigate that? English teacher. It's understandable that societal expectations can create pressure or judgment. However, it's essential to remember that everyone's journey is unique. If someone feels comfortable sharing their reasons for being unmarried, it can help others understand and respect their choices. Open and honest communication is key. Additionally, surrounding oneself with supportive and understanding individuals can create a more positive and accepting environment. Michael. Thank you for the advice, teacher. It's essential to be true to oneself and not let societal pressures dictate one's choices. English teacher. Absolutely, Michael. Embracing one's own path and finding happiness on one's own terms is empowering. It's important to focus on personal well-being and not compare oneself to societal expectations. Remember, happiness and fulfillment can be found in many different ways, regardless of one's marital status. Michael. I appreciate your perspective, teacher. It's reassuring to know that being unmarried doesn't mean one is missing out on happiness or success. English teacher. You're welcome, Michael. It's my pleasure to provide guidance and support. Remember, being unmarried is just one aspect of a person's life. There are countless other factors that contribute to one's overall happiness and fulfillment. If you ever have more questions or need further discussion on this topic or any other, feel free to reach out. I'm here to help. Michael. Thank you so much, teacher. I'm grateful for your understanding and support. I'll definitely keep that in mind. Have a great day. English teacher. You're very welcome, Michael. I'm glad I could assist you. You have a fantastic day too, and remember, I'm here whenever you need me. Take care. English teacher. Good afternoon, Sarah. How are you today? Sarah. Good afternoon, teacher. I'm feeling a bit nervous and excited at the same time. I have something important to discuss with you. English teacher. Oh, I see. Don't worry, Sarah. You can share anything with me. What's on your mind? Sarah. Well, teacher, my boyfriend recently proposed to me and asked, will you marry me? I said yes, but now I'm wondering about the proper way to respond to that question. How can I express my happiness and acceptance? English teacher. Congratulations, Sarah. That's wonderful news. It's completely understandable to feel a bit unsure about how to respond in such a significant moment. Typically, the most common and straightforward response is simply saying, yes, I will marry you or yes, I accept your proposal. These responses clearly convey your happiness and acceptance. Sarah. Thank you, teacher. Those responses sound perfect. 
Is there anything else I should keep in mind when responding to a marriage proposal? English teacher. Absolutely, Sarah. It's important to express your genuine emotions and let your partner know how much their proposal means to you. You can add some personal touches to your response, such as saying, Yes, I will marry you. I am so happy and excited to spend the rest of my life with you. Adding heartfelt words will make the moment even more special. Sarah. That's a great idea, teacher. I want my response to reflect my true feelings. I also want to make sure I communicate effectively. Are there any other phrases or expressions I can use to express my happiness and acceptance? English teacher. Certainly, Sarah. Here are a few more expressions you can use to convey your joy and acceptance. Absolutely. I can't wait to marry you. Of course. I've been dreaming of this moment, or yes, a thousand times yes. You make me the happiest person in the world. These expressions show your enthusiasm and excitement. Sarah. Those are fantastic suggestions, teacher. I feel more confident now in responding to the proposal. I want to make sure it's a moment we both cherish. English teacher. I'm glad I could help, Sarah. Remember, the most important thing is to be true to yourself and express your love and happiness genuinely. Your partner will appreciate your sincere response, regardless of the specific words you choose. Marriage is a beautiful journey, and I wish you all the happiness and love as you embark on this new chapter of your life. Sarah. Thank you so much, teacher. Your words mean a lot to me. I'm incredibly grateful for your guidance and support. English teacher. You're very welcome, Sarah. It's my pleasure to be here for you. If you ever need further assistance or have more questions, don't hesitate to reach out. Congratulations once again, and may your future together be filled with love and joy. Sarah. Thank you, teacher. I truly appreciate your kind words and support. I'll definitely keep in touch. Have a wonderful day. English teacher. You're welcome, Sarah. I look forward to hearing about your journey. You have a fantastic day too, and take care. English teacher. Hello, James. How are you today? James. Hi, teacher. I'm doing well, thank you. I wanted to talk to you about rational communication. I've been struggling with expressing myself clearly and effectively. English teacher. That's a great topic, James. Rational communication is essential for effective and meaningful conversations. What specific challenges are you facing when it comes to expressing yourself? James. I often find myself getting overwhelmed with emotions during conversations, and I end up reacting impulsively instead of responding thoughtfully. I want to learn how to communicate in a more rational and composed manner. English teacher. I understand, James. It's common to feel overwhelmed by emotions, especially in intense or challenging conversations. The first step is to recognize and acknowledge your emotions without letting them control your responses. It's important to take a moment to breathe and gather your thoughts before speaking. James. That makes sense, teacher. So, should I suppress my emotions completely? English teacher. Not necessarily, James. It's important to acknowledge and understand your emotions, as they are a natural part of being human. Instead of suppressing them, try to express your emotions in a controlled and respectful manner. This way, you can communicate your feelings effectively without letting them overshadow the conversation. James. I see. So, how can I ensure that my communication is rational and logical? English teacher. Rational communication involves using clear, logical, and reasoned thinking to express your ideas and opinions. 
Here are a few tips to help you improve your rational communication skills. 1. Active listening. Listen attentively to the other person's perspective before responding. This will help you understand their point of view and respond thoughtfully. 2. Stay focused on the topic. Avoid getting sidetracked by unrelated or personal matters. Keep the conversation focused on the subject at hand. 3. Use clear and concise language. Express your thoughts using simple and precise language. Avoid using jargon or complex terms that might confuse the other person. 4. Support your statements with evidence. When expressing your opinions, provide logical reasoning or evidence to back them up. This helps to strengthen your arguments and promotes rational discussion. 5. Respectful and empathetic approach. Treat the other person with respect and empathy, even if you disagree with their views. This fosters a more constructive and rational conversation. James. These tips are really helpful, teacher. I'll keep them in mind. Are there any specific techniques or exercises I can practice to improve my rational communication skills? English teacher. Absolutely, James. One effective technique is role-playing. Practice having conversations with a friend or family member, taking turns being the listener and the speaker. This allows you to practice active listening and expressing your thoughts more rationally. Additionally, you can try journaling your thoughts and emotions. Writing down your feelings and reflecting on them can help you gain clarity and process your emotions before engaging in conversations. James. Those are great suggestions, teacher. I'll definitely give them a try. I want to become a better communicator and have more productive discussions with others. English teacher. That's a wonderful goal, James. Remember, improving your communication skills takes time and practice. Be patient with yourself and celebrate every small improvement you make along the way. I'm confident that with consistent effort, you'll become a more rational and effective communicator. James. Thank you so much for your guidance and support, teacher. I truly appreciate it. English teacher. You're very welcome, James. It's my pleasure to help you. If you have any more questions or need further assistance, don't hesitate to reach out. I'm here to support you on your journey to becoming a better communicator. Keep up the great work. James. Thank you, teacher. I'll definitely keep in touch. Have a wonderful day. English teacher. You too, James. Take care, and keep striving for improvement. Have a fantastic day. English teacher. Good morning, Anna. How are you today? Anna. Good morning, teacher. I'm doing well, thank you. I wanted to talk to you about sensibility. I've heard the term before, but I'm not exactly sure what it means. Can you help me understand? English teacher. Of course, Anna. Sensibility refers to the capacity to perceive and understand emotions and feelings, both in oneself and in others. It involves being aware of one's own emotions and being sensitive to the emotions and needs of those around you. It's an important aspect of emotional intelligence. Anna. Ah, I see. So, sensibility is about being in tune with our emotions and being empathetic towards others. English teacher. Exactly, Anna. Sensibility involves being aware of your own emotional state and having the ability to recognize and understand the emotions of others. It allows you to respond to emotions in a compassionate and understanding way, fostering better communication and relationships. Anna. That sounds important, teacher. How can we develop sensibility? English teacher. Developing sensibility takes time and practice, Anna. 
Here are a few strategies that can help. 1. Self-reflection. Take the time to reflect on your own emotions and try to understand what triggers them. This self-awareness will help you better understand and manage your own emotional responses. 2. Active listening. Practice active listening skills to better understand the emotions of others. Pay attention to their verbal and nonverbal cues, and try to empathize with their feelings. 3. Empathy exercises. Engage in activities that promote empathy, such as volunteering or participating in group discussions where you can listen to diverse perspectives and understand different emotions. 4. Emotional regulation. Learn techniques to regulate your own emotions, such as deep breathing, mindfulness, or seeking support from others. This will help you respond to situations with greater emotional balance. 5. Practice compassion. Show kindness and understanding towards others, even in difficult situations. Treat others with respect and empathy, regardless of their emotional state. Anna. Those are helpful tips, teacher. I'll try to incorporate them into my daily life. Can you give me an example of how sensibility can benefit our interactions with others? English teacher. Certainly, Anna. Let's say you have a friend who seems upset. Instead of brushing it off or avoiding the situation, your sensibility would prompt you to ask if everything is okay and to offer a listening ear. By being sensitive to their emotions, you can provide support and understanding, which can strengthen your friendship. Anna. I understand now, teacher. Sensibility helps us build better connections and enhances our relationships with others. It seems like a valuable skill to develop. English teacher. Absolutely, Anna. Sensibility not only strengthens relationships but also contributes to effective communication and conflict resolution. When we are aware of our own emotions and attuned to the emotions of others, we can navigate interpersonal interactions with greater understanding and compassion. Anna. Thank you, teacher, for explaining sensibility to me. I can see how it can positively impact our interactions and contribute to a more empathetic and harmonious society. English teacher. You're welcome, Anna. I'm glad I could help you understand the concept of sensibility. Remember, developing sensibility is a lifelong journey, so be patient with yourself. If you have any more questions or need further guidance, feel free to reach out. I'm here to support you. Anna. Thank you so much, teacher. I appreciate your guidance and support. I'll definitely keep that in mind. Have a wonderful day. English teacher. You're welcome, Anna. I'm here for you. Have a fantastic day as well, and take care. English teacher. Good morning, Alex. How are you today? Alex. Good morning, teacher. I'm doing well, thank you. I wanted to talk to you about debates. I've heard the term before, but I'm not exactly sure what it means. Can you help me understand? English teacher. Of course, Alex. A debate is a formal discussion or argument where two or more people present their viewpoints on a specific topic. It involves presenting arguments and counterarguments, and the goal is to persuade the audience or opponent of the validity of one's position. Alex. Ah, I see. So, debates are about discussing different perspectives and trying to convince others of our point of view? English teacher. Exactly, Alex. Debates provide a platform for individuals to express their opinions and engage in critical thinking. They encourage the exchange of ideas and challenge participants to articulate their thoughts persuasively and logically. Alex. That sounds interesting, teacher. How does a debate typically work? Are there any rules or guidelines? English teacher. 
Yes, there are usually some rules and guidelines to ensure a structured and fair debate. Here are a few common elements of a debate. 1. Opening statements. Each participant presents their main arguments and introduces their position on the topic. 2. Rebuttals. Participants respond to the arguments made by the opposing side, challenging their claims and providing counterarguments. 3. Cross-examination. Participants have the opportunity to question each other, seeking clarifications or challenging the validity of their opponent's arguments. 4. Closing statements. Each participant summarizes their main points and reinforces their position. 5. Time limits. To ensure fairness, there are often time limits for each stage of the debate, allowing participants to express their ideas within a given time frame. Alex. That's helpful, teacher. It seems like a structured format that encourages critical thinking and effective communication. Are there any benefits to participating in debates? English teacher. Absolutely, Alex. Debates offer several benefits. Firstly, they help individuals develop their critical thinking skills, as participants need to analyze and evaluate arguments from multiple perspectives. Debates also improve public speaking abilities and enhance one's ability to articulate thoughts clearly and persuasively. Additionally, debates foster open-mindedness and the ability to consider different viewpoints, promoting tolerance and empathy. Alex. Those are great advantages, teacher. I would like to participate in a debate, but I'm not sure how to prepare. Can you give me some tips? English teacher. Certainly, Alex. Here are some tips to help you prepare for a debate. 1. Research the topic. Gather information about the topic you'll be debating. Understand the different perspectives and collect evidence to support your arguments. 2. Organize your thoughts. Create an outline or structure for your arguments. Start with a clear introduction, followed by well-supported points, and end with a strong conclusion. 3. Anticipate counterarguments. Consider the opposing viewpoints and think about possible counterarguments. Prepare rebuttals to effectively respond to these challenges. 4. Practice speaking skills. Practice speaking clearly and confidently. Pay attention to your tone, body language, and use of persuasive language to engage the audience. 5. Engage in mock debates. Participate in practice debates with classmates or friends. This will help you refine your arguments and become more comfortable with the debate format. Alex. Those tips are very helpful, teacher. I feel more prepared now. I'm excited to engage in a debate and improve my critical thinking and communication skills. English teacher. I'm glad to hear that, Alex. Participating in debates can be both challenging and rewarding. It's an excellent opportunity to express your opinions, engage with different perspectives, and develop valuable skills. If you ever need further guidance or have more questions, feel free to reach out. Exclamation mark I'm here to support you. Alex. Thank you so much, teacher. I appreciate your guidance and support. I'll definitely keep that in mind. Have a wonderful day. English teacher. You're welcome, Alex. I'm here for you. Have a fantastic day as well, and best of luck with your future debates. English teacher. Good afternoon, Sarah. How are you today? Sarah. Good afternoon, teacher. I'm doing well, thank you. I wanted to talk to you about defending. I often struggle with expressing and defending my opinions in conversations. Can you help me with that? English teacher. Absolutely, Sarah. Defending your opinions is an important skill in communication.
It allows you to express yourself confidently and engage in meaningful discussions. I'd be happy to provide you with some guidance. Can you tell me more about the challenges you face when defending your opinions? Sarah. Well, teacher, I often feel unsure about how to structure my arguments or respond to counterarguments. I worry that I won't be able to effectively convey my thoughts and end up feeling defeated in discussions. English teacher. I understand, Sarah. Defending your opinions can be challenging, but with some strategies and practice, you can become more confident. Let's start by discussing the structure of an argument. A well-structured argument usually consists of three main parts. An introduction, supporting evidence, and a conclusion. Sarah. That sounds helpful, teacher. Could you explain each part in more detail? English teacher. Of course, Sarah. The introduction sets the stage for your argument. Begin by clearly stating your opinion or position on the topic. This helps the listener understand your stance from the start. Next, provide a brief overview of the main points you will be presenting to support your opinion. Sarah. So, the introduction acts as a roadmap for the rest of the argument? English teacher. Exactly. It helps the listener follow along and anticipate the main points you will be discussing. Now, let's move on to supporting evidence. This is the backbone of your argument. Present facts, examples, or personal experiences that support your opinion. The more compelling and relevant your evidence, the stronger your argument becomes. Sarah. That makes sense, teacher. Providing evidence will help me back up my opinions and make them more convincing. English teacher. Precisely, Sarah. Strong evidence adds credibility to your argument. Be sure to choose your evidence carefully, ensuring it directly relates to the topic and supports your viewpoint. Lastly, let's discuss the conclusion. This is where you summarize your main points and restate your opinion, leaving a lasting impression on the listener. Sarah. I see. So, the conclusion should be a concise and powerful restatement of my opinion. English teacher. That's right, Sarah. It's your final opportunity to make a strong impression and leave the listener with a clear understanding of your stance. Now, let's address your concern about responding to counterarguments. When someone presents a counterargument, it's important to listen attentively and show respect for their viewpoint. Take a moment to understand their perspective and consider their reasoning. Sarah. What should I do after understanding their counterargument? English teacher. After understanding their viewpoint, respond by acknowledging their position and then provide a well-reasoned response. This can involve presenting further evidence, highlighting flaws in their reasoning, or offering alternative perspectives. Remember to stay calm and composed, maintaining a respectful tone throughout the discussion. Sarah. That's helpful advice, teacher. I'll make sure to listen carefully and respond thoughtfully when faced with counterarguments. English teacher. I'm glad to hear that, Sarah. Remember, defending your opinions is a skill that improves with practice. Engage in discussions, both formal and informal, where you can practice presenting and defending your viewpoints. The more you engage in these conversations, the more confident you'll become. Sarah. Thank you, teacher. I appreciate your guidance and support. I feel more prepared now to defend my opinions effectively. English teacher. You're very welcome, Sarah. I'm here to support your growth as a communicator. If you have any more questions or need further guidance, don't hesitate to reach out. Keep practicing, and I'm confident you'll become an excellent defender of your opinions. Sarah. Thank you so much, teacher. I will definitely keep practicing. Have a great day. English teacher. You're welcome, Sarah. 
I wish you all the best in your journey. Have a wonderful day too, and keep up the great work. English teacher. Good morning, Lisa. How are you today? Lisa. Good morning, teacher. I'm doing well, thank you. I wanted to talk to you about the word reasonable. I often hear people using it, but I'm not quite sure what it means. Can you help me understand? English teacher. Absolutely, Lisa. Reasonable is a word that is frequently used in English. It refers to something that is fair, logical, sensible, or within the bounds of sound judgment. It indicates that an action, decision, or argument is based on rational thinking and is justifiable. Lisa. I see. So, when someone says that something is reasonable, it means it makes sense and is fair. English teacher. Exactly, Lisa. When something is deemed reasonable, it implies that it is both sensible and fair. It suggests that the decision or action is founded on logical thinking and can be justified or understood by others. Lisa. That makes sense, teacher. Can you give me some examples of how we can use reasonable in sentences? English teacher. Of course, Lisa. Here are a few examples. 1. It's reasonable to expect students to complete their assignments on time. 2. She made a reasonable request, asking for an extension on the deadline. 3. Given the circumstances, it's only reasonable to expect some delays. 4. His arguments were well-reasoned and presented in a reasonable manner. 5. The prices at that restaurant are quite reasonable, considering the quality of the food. Lisa. Thank you, teacher. Those examples help me understand how reasonable can be used in different contexts. But how can we determine if something is reasonable or not? English teacher. That's a great question, Lisa. The determination of what is reasonable can vary depending on the situation and the perspectives of the people involved. However, some factors that are often considered when evaluating reasonableness include logic, fairness, common sense, and the context of the situation. It's important to consider multiple viewpoints and use critical thinking to assess the reasonableness of an action, decision, or argument. Lisa. I see, teacher. So, reasonableness is subjective and can differ from person to person based on their perspectives and understanding? English teacher. Absolutely, Lisa. Reasonableness can indeed be subjective, as different individuals may have different interpretations or judgments about what is fair or logical. It's important to have open and respectful discussions to understand and appreciate different viewpoints when considering reasonableness. Lisa. That makes sense, teacher. It seems like being able to assess reasonableness is an important skill in communication and decision-making. English teacher. You're absolutely right, Lisa. The ability to evaluate reasonableness helps us make informed decisions, engage in meaningful discussions, and build stronger relationships with others. It's a valuable skill to develop in both personal and professional contexts. Lisa. I appreciate your explanation, teacher. I feel like I have a better understanding of the word reasonable now. Thank you for your guidance. English teacher. You're very welcome, Lisa. I'm glad I could help. Remember, if you have any more questions or need further clarification, don't hesitate to reach out. I'm here to support your language learning journey. Lisa. Thank you, teacher. I appreciate your support. Have a wonderful day. English teacher. You too, Lisa. Have a fantastic day ahead, and keep up the great work with your English studies. English teacher. Good afternoon, Mark. How are you today? Mark. Good afternoon, teacher. 
I'm doing well, thank you. I wanted to talk to you about the word refuse. I sometimes hear it used, but I'm not entirely sure what it means. Can you help me understand? English teacher. Certainly, Mark. Refuse is a verb that means to decline or reject something. It is often used when you say no to an offer, request, or invitation. When you refuse, you are saying that you do not want to accept or agree to something. Mark. I see. So, if someone offers me something and I don't want it, I can refuse it? English teacher. Exactly, Mark. If you are presented with an offer or a request, and you choose not to accept or comply with it, you can refuse. It's a way of politely declining or saying no to something. Mark. That makes sense, teacher. Can you provide me with some examples of how to use refuse in sentences? English teacher. Absolutely, Mark. Here are a few examples. 1. He politely refused the job offer because he had already accepted another position. 2. She refused to lend her car to her friend because she was concerned about its safety. 3. The company refused to lower the price of the product despite the customer's request. 4. The teacher refused to accept late assignments as per the class policy. 5. They refused the invitation to the party because they already had other plans. Mark. Thank you, teacher. Those examples help me understand how refuse is used in different contexts. But how can we refuse something politely without causing offense? English teacher. That's an important consideration, Mark. Politely refusing something is crucial to maintain good relationships and avoid causing offense. Here are a few tips for refusing politely. 1. Use polite language. Start your response with a polite phrase, such as thank you for the offer, but, or I appreciate your invitation, but. 2. Give a reason if possible. It can help to provide a reason for your refusal. For example, you could say, I'm sorry, but I already have plans for that day or I'm afraid I can't lend you my car because I need it myself. 3. Express gratitude. Even if you are declining an offer or request, it's important to show gratitude for the thought or consideration. For instance, you could say, I really appreciate your kindness, but. 4. Offer an alternative if appropriate. If you can, suggest an alternative solution or offer assistance in another way. This shows that you still want to be helpful despite declining. For example, you could say, I'm unable to help with that, but I can recommend someone who might be able to assist you. Remember, the key is to be respectful and considerate when refusing something. Mark. Thank you, teacher. Those tips are really helpful. I will keep them in mind to ensure I refuse something politely and without causing offense. English teacher. You're welcome, Mark. I'm glad to hear that the tips are useful. Polite communication is essential in various situations, and knowing how to refuse politely is an important skill to have. Mark. I appreciate your guidance, teacher. I feel more confident now in understanding and using the word refuse correctly. Thank you for your help. English teacher. You're very welcome, Mark. I'm here to support your language learning journey. If you have any more questions or need further clarification, feel free to ask. Keep up the great work with your English studies. Mark. Thank you, teacher. I appreciate your support. Exclamation mark have a wonderful day. English teacher. You too, Mark. Have a fantastic day ahead, and keep up the excellent progress. English teacher. Good morning, Sarah. How are you today? Sarah. Good morning, teacher. I'm doing well, thank you. 
How about you? English teacher. I'm great. Thanks for asking. So, today, let's talk about a common topic. Regret. Do you know what regret means? Sarah. Um, I think it means feeling sorry or sad about something you did or didn't do in the past. English teacher. Exactly. Regret is the feeling of disappointment, sadness, or remorse that we experience when we wish we had done something differently. Can you think of an example of something you regret? Sarah. Well, I regret not studying enough for my last English test. I could have done better if I had studied more. English teacher. That's a perfect example, Sarah. We often regret not making the most of our opportunities. How did you feel when you realized you hadn't studied enough? Sarah. I felt really disappointed in myself and wished I had managed my time better. I knew I could have done better if I had put in more effort. English teacher. It's understandable to feel that way. Regret can be a powerful emotion. What do you think you can do differently next time to avoid this feeling? Sarah. I think I need to create a study schedule and stick to it. I also need to ask my teacher for help if I'm struggling with certain topics. English teacher. Excellent suggestions, Sarah. A study schedule and seeking assistance when needed are great ways to minimize regrets in the future. Remember, regrets can also serve as valuable lessons for personal growth. Can you think of any positive aspects of regret? Sarah. Hmm, I suppose regret can motivate us to do better and learn from our mistakes. It can help us become more responsible and make smarter choices in the future. English teacher. Absolutely. Regret can act as a catalyst for personal improvement. By reflecting on our regrets, we can make positive changes in our lives and avoid repeating the same mistakes. It's important not to dwell on regrets too much, though. We should focus on learning from them and moving forward. Do you have any questions about regret, Sarah? Sarah. Yes, teacher. Can you give me some examples of phrases or expressions we can use when talking about regret? English teacher. Of course. Here are a few common expressions. I wish I had studied harder. If only I hadn't made that mistake. I regret not taking that opportunity, or I should have listened to my parents. These phrases convey a sense of remorse or dissatisfaction with past actions or decisions. They're useful when discussing regrets. Sarah. Thank you, teacher. I'll try to remember those expressions. Is there anything else I should know about regret? English teacher. Well, one thing to remember is that everyone experiences regret at some point in their lives. It's a natural part of being human. What's important is how we respond to regret and what we learn from it. By acknowledging our regrets, we can make positive changes and strive for a better future. Sarah. That's a great perspective, teacher. I'll try to embrace my regrets as learning opportunities. Thank you for the lesson. English teacher. You're welcome, Sarah. I'm glad you found the lesson helpful. Remember, I'm always here to help you improve your English skills and discuss various topics. Keep up the great work, and I'll see you in our next class. Sarah. Thank you, teacher. Have a wonderful day. English teacher. Hello, Alex. How are you today? Alex. Hi, teacher. I'm feeling a bit down today. I'm not sure why, but I just feel sad. English teacher. I'm sorry to hear that, Alex. 
Sadness is a common emotion that we all experience from time to time. It's important to acknowledge and understand our emotions. Is there something specific that's making you feel sad? Alex. I'm not sure, teacher. It's just a general feeling of heaviness and sadness that I can't shake off. English teacher. Sometimes, sadness can be triggered by certain events or circumstances, while other times, it might be more difficult to pinpoint the exact cause. It's okay to feel sad without a specific reason. It's part of being human. Can you describe what you're feeling? Alex. It's like a sense of emptiness and a lack of motivation. I don't feel like doing anything, and even the things I used to enjoy don't bring me much happiness anymore. English teacher. I understand. When sadness lingers for an extended period and affects your daily life, it's important to address it. Have you considered talking to someone about how you're feeling, like a close friend or family member? Alex. I haven't really talked to anyone about it. I thought it would pass on its own, but it's been going on for a while now. English teacher. It's commendable that you're willing to share your feelings with me. Sometimes, opening up to someone you trust can provide emotional support and a different perspective. Additionally, seeking professional help from a therapist or counselor can be beneficial in understanding and coping with sadness. They can provide guidance tailored to your situation. Alex. I see. I've never considered therapy before, but maybe it's worth trying if it can help me feel better. English teacher. Therapy can be a valuable tool for addressing and managing emotions like sadness. It offers a safe space to explore your feelings, develop coping mechanisms, and gain insight into your thoughts and behaviors. Remember, there's no shame in seeking help when you need it. Taking care of your mental well-being is just as important as taking care of your physical health. Alex. Thank you for your understanding and advice, teacher. It means a lot to me. English teacher. You're welcome, Alex. It's important to create a supportive environment for discussing emotions. Is there anything else you would like to know about sadness or coping strategies? Alex. Yes, teacher. Are there any techniques or activities I can try to help lift my mood when I'm feeling sad? English teacher. Certainly. Engaging in activities you enjoy, such as hobbies, listening to uplifting music, or reading books that inspire you, can help shift your focus and bring some joy. Additionally, physical exercise, getting enough sleep, and maintaining a balanced diet can contribute to your overall well-being and potentially alleviate feelings of sadness. Alex. Those are helpful suggestions, teacher. I'll try incorporating them into my routine and see if they make a difference. English teacher. That's a great approach, Alex. Remember, it's essential to be patient with yourself. Healing takes time, and everyone's journey is different. If you ever need someone to talk to or if you have further questions, please don't hesitate to reach out. Alex. Thank you so much, teacher. I really appreciate your support and guidance. English teacher. You're very welcome, Alex. It's my pleasure to help you. Remember, you're not alone, and things will get better. Take care of yourself, and I'm here for you whenever you need to talk. English teacher. Hello, Emma. How are you today? Emma. Hi, teacher. I'm excited because I just booked a trip to Paris for my summer vacation. English teacher. That's wonderful, Emma. Traveling is such an enriching experience. I'm glad to hear you're going to Paris. It's a beautiful city with so much to explore. 
Have you been to Paris before? Emma. No, teacher, this will be my first time. I've always wanted to visit the Eiffel Tower and see the Louvre Museum. English teacher. Those are great choices, Emma. The Eiffel Tower is an iconic symbol of Paris, and the Louvre Museum is home to many famous works of art, including the Mona Lisa. Is there anything else you're looking forward to seeing or doing in Paris? Emma. I'm also excited to stroll along the Champs-Élysées and try some delicious French pastries. I've heard the croissants in Paris are amazing. English teacher. Absolutely, Emma. The Champs-Élysées is a famous avenue known for its luxury shops and beautiful sights. And yes, French pastries are renowned worldwide for their taste and quality. Don't forget to try a croissant and maybe even a macaron while you're there. Emma. I won't forget, teacher. I'm also a bit nervous because I don't speak much French. Do you think it will be difficult for me to communicate? English teacher. Don't worry, Emma. Many people in Paris can speak English, especially in tourist areas. However, it's always helpful to learn a few basic phrases in the local language. Phrases like hello, thank you, and excuse me can go a long way in showing respect and making connections with locals. Emma. That's a good point, teacher. I'll make sure to learn some essential French phrases before my trip. Are there any other travel tips you can give me? English teacher. Absolutely, Emma. When traveling, it's important to be prepared. Research the local customs and traditions so you can respect the culture. Also, make sure to have your important documents, such as your passport and travel insurance, in a safe place. It's also a good idea to inform your bank about your travel plans to avoid any issues with your cards. Emma. Those are valuable tips, teacher. I'll make a checklist and make sure I have everything in order. I'm so excited to immerse myself in a different culture and see new things. English teacher. That's the spirit, Emma. Traveling is not only about sightseeing but also about broadening your horizons and embracing new experiences. Keep an open mind and be curious about the local customs, cuisine, and traditions. It's a fantastic opportunity for personal growth. Emma. I will, teacher. I can't wait to share my travel experiences and photos with you when I return. English teacher. I look forward to hearing all about it, Emma. Traveling provides a wealth of stories and memories. Remember to take plenty of pictures and keep a travel journal to document your adventures. It will be a fantastic way to remember and reflect upon your journey. Emma. Thank you for your encouragement and advice, teacher. I'll make sure to make the most of my trip and learn as much as I can. English teacher. You're very welcome, Emma. Enjoy every moment of your trip, soak up the culture, and have a safe and memorable adventure. I'm here to support you, so don't hesitate to reach out if you need any further assistance. Bon voyage. Emma. Thank you, teacher. I'll make sure to stay in touch. Goodbye for now. English teacher. Good morning, Michael. How are you today? Michael. Good morning, teacher. I'm doing well, thank you. How about you? English teacher. I'm great, thanks for asking. So, today, let's talk about the concept of being unmarried. Are you familiar with what it means to be unmarried? Michael. Yes, teacher. Being unmarried means not being legally or formally married to someone. English teacher. That's correct, Michael. 
Being unmarried simply means not having entered into a legally recognized marriage. In many cultures, marriage is seen as a significant milestone in one's life. However, being unmarried doesn't mean one is alone or unhappy. People have different preferences and circumstances when it comes to marriage. Michael, I understand, teacher. In my culture, there can sometimes be pressure to get married at a certain age. But I believe that being unmarried doesn't define a person's happiness or success. English teacher, you're absolutely right, Michael. Marriage is a personal choice, and individuals can find happiness and fulfillment in various ways, whether they choose to marry or not. It's important to respect different perspectives and not judge someone based solely on their marital status. Michael, I agree, teacher. It's crucial to recognize that being unmarried doesn't mean being alone or lacking meaningful relationships. There are many other types of relationships and connections that bring joy and fulfillment, such as friendships, family bonds, or even personal pursuits and passions. English teacher, well said, Michael. Relationships come in various forms, and being unmarried allows individuals to focus on personal growth, career aspirations, and self-discovery. It can provide the freedom to explore different paths and make choices based on personal desires and goals. Michael, that's true, teacher. But sometimes, societal expectations or cultural norms can make people feel pressured or judged for being unmarried. How can someone navigate that? English teacher. It's understandable that societal expectations can create pressure or judgment. However, it's essential to remember that everyone's journey is unique. If someone feels comfortable sharing their reasons for being unmarried, it can help others understand and respect their choices. Open and honest communication is key. Additionally, surrounding oneself with supportive and understanding individuals can create a more positive and accepting environment. Michael. Thank you for the advice, teacher. It's essential to be true to oneself and not let societal pressures dictate one's choices. English teacher, absolutely, Michael. Embracing one's own path and finding happiness on one's own terms is empowering. It's important to focus on personal well-being and not compare oneself to societal expectations. Remember, happiness and fulfillment can be found in many different ways, regardless of one's marital status. Michael, I appreciate your perspective, teacher. It's reassuring to know that being unmarried doesn't mean one is missing out on happiness or success. English teacher, you're welcome, Michael. It's my pleasure to provide guidance and support. Remember, being unmarried is just one aspect of a person's life. There are countless other factors that contribute to one's overall happiness and fulfillment. If you ever have more questions or need further discussion on this topic or any other, feel free to reach out. I'm here to help. Michael, thank you so much, teacher. I'm grateful for your understanding and support. I'll definitely keep that in mind. Have a great day, English teacher. You're very welcome, Michael. I'm glad I could assist you. You have a fantastic day too, and remember, I'm here whenever you need me. Take care. English teacher, good afternoon, Sarah. How are you today, Sarah? Good afternoon, teacher. I'm feeling a bit nervous and excited at the same time. I have something important to discuss with you, English teacher. Oh, I see. Don't worry, Sarah. You can share anything with me. What's on your mind, Sarah? 
Well, teacher, my boyfriend recently proposed to me and asked, Will you marry me? I said yes, but now I'm wondering about the proper way to respond to that question. How can I express my happiness and acceptance? English teacher. Congratulations, Sarah. That's wonderful news. It's completely understandable to feel a bit unsure about how to respond in such a significant moment. Typically, the most common and straightforward response is simply saying, yes, I will marry you or yes, I accept your proposal. These responses clearly convey your happiness and acceptance. Sarah. Thank you, teacher. Those responses sound perfect. Is there anything else I should keep in mind when responding to a marriage proposal? English teacher. Absolutely, Sarah. It's important to express your genuine emotions and let your partner know how much their proposal means to you. You can add some personal touches to your response, such as saying, Yes, I will marry you. I am so happy and excited to spend the rest of my life with you. Adding heartfelt words will make the moment even more special. Sarah. That's a great idea, teacher. I want my response to reflect my true feelings. I also want to make sure I communicate effectively. Are there any other phrases or expressions I can use to express my happiness and acceptance? English teacher. Certainly, Sarah. Here are a few more expressions you can use to convey your joy and acceptance. Absolutely. I can't wait to marry you. Of course. I've been dreaming of this moment, or yes, a thousand times yes. You make me the happiest person in the world. These expressions show your enthusiasm and excitement. Sarah. Those are fantastic suggestions, teacher. I feel more confident now in responding to the proposal. I want to make sure it's a moment we both cherish. English teacher. I'm glad I could help, Sarah. Remember, the most important thing is to be true to yourself and express your love and happiness genuinely. Your partner will appreciate your sincere response, regardless of the specific words you choose. Marriage is a beautiful journey, and I wish you all the happiness and love as you embark on this new chapter of your life. Sarah. Thank you so much, teacher. Your words mean a lot to me. I'm incredibly grateful for your guidance and support. English teacher. You're very welcome, Sarah. It's my pleasure to be here for you. If you ever need further assistance or have more questions, don't hesitate to reach out. Congratulations once again, and may your future together be filled with love and joy. Sarah. Thank you, teacher. I truly appreciate your kind words and support. I'll definitely keep in touch. Have a wonderful day. English teacher. You're welcome, Sarah. I look forward to hearing about your journey. You have a fantastic day too, and take care. English teacher. Hello, James. How are you today? James. Hi, teacher. I'm doing well, thank you. I wanted to talk to you about rational communication. I've been struggling with expressing myself clearly and effectively. English teacher. That's a great topic, James. Rational communication is essential for effective and meaningful conversations. What specific challenges are you facing when it comes to expressing yourself? James. I often find myself getting overwhelmed with emotions during conversations, and I end up reacting impulsively instead of responding thoughtfully. I want to learn how to communicate in a more rational and composed manner. English teacher. I understand, James. 
It's common to feel overwhelmed by emotions, especially in intense or challenging conversations. The first step is to recognize and acknowledge your emotions without letting them control your responses. It's important to take a moment to breathe and gather your thoughts before speaking. James, that makes sense, teacher. So, should I suppress my emotions completely? English teacher, not necessarily, James. It's important to acknowledge and understand your emotions, as they are a natural part of being human. Instead of suppressing them, try to express your emotions in a controlled and respectful manner. This way, you can communicate your feelings effectively without letting them overshadow the conversation. James, I see. So, how can I ensure that my communication is rational and logical? English teacher, rational communication involves using clear, logical, and reasoned thinking to express your ideas and opinions. Here are a few tips to help you improve your rational communication skills. One, active listening. Listen attentively to the other person's perspective before responding. This will help you understand their point of view and respond thoughtfully. Two, stay focused on the topic. Avoid getting sidetracked by unrelated or personal matters. Keep the conversation focused on the subject at hand. Three, use clear and concise language. Express your thoughts using simple and precise language. Avoid using jargon or complex terms that might confuse the other person. Four, support your statements with evidence. When expressing your opinions, provide logical reasoning or evidence to back them up. This helps to strengthen your arguments and promotes rational discussion. Five, respectful and an empathetic approach. Treat the other person with respect and empathy, even if you disagree with their views. This fosters a more constructive and rational conversation. James, these tips are really helpful, teacher. I'll keep them in mind. Are there any specific techniques or exercises I can practice to improve my rational communication skills? English teacher, absolutely, James. One effective technique is role playing. Practice having conversations with a friend or family member, taking turns being the listener and the speaker. This allows you to practice active listening and expressing your thoughts more rationally. Additionally, you can try journaling your thoughts and emotions. Writing down your feelings and reflecting on them can help you gain clarity and process your emotions before engaging in conversations. James, those are great suggestions, teacher. I'll definitely give them a try. I want to become a better communicator and have more productive discussions with others. English teacher, that's a wonderful goal, James. Remember, improving your communication skills takes time and practice. Be patient with yourself and celebrate every small improvement you make along the way. I'm confident that with consistent effort, you'll become a more rational and effective communicator. James, thank you so much for your guidance and support, teacher. I truly appreciate it. English teacher, you're very welcome, James. It's my pleasure to help you. If you have any more questions or need further assistance, don't hesitate to reach out. I'm here to support you on your journey to becoming a better communicator. Keep up the great work, James. Thank you, teacher. I'll definitely keep in touch. Have a wonderful day, English teacher. You too, James. Take care and keep striving for improvement. Have a fantastic day, English teacher. Good morning, Anna. How are you today?
Anna. Good morning, teacher. I'm doing well, thank you. I wanted to talk to you about sensibility. I've heard the term before, but I'm not exactly sure what it means. Can you help me understand? English teacher. Of course, Anna. Sensibility refers to the capacity to perceive and understand emotions and feelings, both in oneself and in others. It involves being aware of one's own emotions and being sensitive to the emotions and needs of those around you. It's an important aspect of emotional intelligence. Anna. Ah, I see. So, sensibility is about being in tune with our emotions and being empathetic towards others? English teacher. Exactly, Anna. Sensibility involves being aware of your own emotional state and having the ability to recognize and understand the emotions of others. It allows you to respond to emotions in a compassionate and understanding way, fostering better communication and relationships. Anna. That sounds important, teacher. How can we develop sensibility? English teacher. Developing sensibility takes time and practice, Anna. Here are a few strategies that can help. 1. Self-reflection. Take the time to reflect on your own emotions and try to understand what triggers them. This self-awareness will help you better understand and manage your own emotional responses. 2. Active listening. Practice active listening skills to better understand the emotions of others. Pay attention to their verbal and nonverbal cues and try to empathize with their feelings. 3. Empathy exercises. Engage in activities that promote empathy, such as volunteering or participating in group discussions where you can listen to diverse perspectives and understand different emotions. 4. Emotional regulation. Learn techniques to regulate your own emotions, such as deep breathing, mindfulness, or seeking support from others. This will help you respond to situations with greater emotional balance. 5. Practice compassion. Show kindness and understanding towards others, even in difficult situations. Treat others with respect and empathy, regardless of their emotional state. Anna. Those are helpful tips, teacher. I'll try to incorporate them into my daily life. Can you give me an example of how sensibility can benefit our interactions with others? English teacher. Certainly, Anna. Let's say you have a friend who seems upset. Instead of brushing it off or avoiding the situation, your sensibility would prompt you to ask if everything is okay and to offer a listening ear. By being sensitive to their emotions, you can provide support and understanding, which can strengthen your friendship. Anna. I understand now, teacher. Sensibility helps us build better connections and enhances our relationships with others. It seems like a valuable skill to develop. English teacher. Absolutely, Anna. Sensibility not only strengthens relationships but also contributes to effective communication and conflict resolution. When we are aware of our own emotions and attuned to the emotions of others, we can navigate interpersonal interactions with greater understanding and compassion. Anna. Thank you, teacher, for explaining sensibility to me. I can see how it can positively impact our interactions and contribute to a more empathetic and harmonious society. English teacher. You're welcome, Anna. I'm glad I could help you understand the concept of sensibility. Remember, developing sensibility is a lifelong journey, so be patient with yourself. If you have any more questions or need further guidance, feel free to reach out. I'm here to support you. Anna. Thank you so much, teacher. 
I appreciate your guidance and support. I'll definitely keep that in mind. Have a wonderful day. English teacher. You're welcome, Anna. I'm here for you. Have a fantastic day as well, and take care. English teacher. Good morning, Alex. How are you today? Alex. Good morning, teacher. I'm doing well, thank you. I wanted to talk to you about debates. I've heard the term before, but I'm not exactly sure what it means. Can you help me understand? English teacher. Of course, Alex. A debate is a formal discussion or argument where two or more people present their viewpoints on a specific topic. It involves presenting arguments and counterarguments, and the goal is to persuade the audience or opponent of the validity of one's position. Alex. Ah, I see. So, debates are about discussing different perspectives and trying to convince others of our point of view. English teacher. Exactly, Alex. Debates provide a platform for individuals to express their opinions and engage in critical thinking. They encourage the exchange of ideas and challenge participants to articulate their thoughts persuasively and logically. Alex. That sounds interesting, teacher. How does a debate typically work? Are there any rules or guidelines? English teacher. Yes, there are usually some rules and guidelines to ensure a structured and fair debate. Here are a few common elements of a debate. 1. Opening statements. Each participant presents their main arguments and introduces their position on the topic. 2. Rebuttals. Participants respond to the arguments made by the opposing side, challenging their claims and providing counterarguments. 3. Cross-examination. Participants have the opportunity to question each other, seeking clarifications or challenging the validity of their opponent's arguments. 4. Closing statements. Each participant summarizes their main points and reinforces their position. 5. Time limits. To ensure fairness, there are often time limits for each stage of the debate, allowing participants to express their ideas within a given time frame. Alex. That's helpful, teacher. It seems like a structured format that encourages critical thinking and effective communication. Are there any benefits to participating in debates? English teacher. Absolutely, Alex. Debates offer several benefits. Firstly, they help individuals develop their critical thinking skills, as participants need to analyze and evaluate arguments from multiple perspectives. Debates also improve public speaking abilities and enhance one's ability to articulate thoughts clearly and persuasively. Additionally, debates foster open-mindedness and the ability to consider different viewpoints, promoting tolerance and empathy. Alex. Those are great advantages, teacher. I would like to participate in a debate, but I'm not sure how to prepare. Can you give me some tips? English teacher. Certainly, Alex. Here are some tips to help you prepare for a debate. 1. Research the topic. Gather information about the topic you'll be debating. Understand the different perspectives and collect evidence to support your arguments. 2. Organize your thoughts. Create an outline or structure for your arguments. Start with a clear introduction, followed by well-supported points, and end with a strong conclusion. 3. Anticipate counterarguments. Consider the opposing viewpoints and think about possible counterarguments. Prepare rebuttals to effectively respond to these challenges. 4. Practice speaking skills. 
Practice speaking clearly and confidently. Pay attention to your tone, body language, and use of persuasive language to engage the audience. 5. Engage in mock debates. Participate and practice debates with classmates or friends. This will help you refine your arguments and become more comfortable with the debate format. Alex. Those tips are very helpful, teacher. I feel more prepared now. I'm excited to engage in a debate and improve my critical thinking and communication skills. English teacher. I'm glad to hear that, Alex. Participating in debates can be both challenging and rewarding. It's an excellent opportunity to express your opinions, engage with different perspectives, and develop valuable skills. If you ever need further guidance or have more questions, feel free to reach out. Exclamation mark I'm here to support you. Alex. Thank you so much, teacher. I appreciate your guidance and support. I'll definitely keep that in mind. Have a wonderful day. English teacher. You're welcome, Alex. I'm here for you. Have a fantastic day as well, and best of luck with your future debates. English teacher. Good afternoon, Sarah. How are you today? Sarah. Good afternoon, teacher. I'm doing well, thank you. I wanted to talk to you about defending. I often struggle with expressing and defending my opinions in conversations. Can you help me with that? English teacher. Absolutely, Sarah. Defending your opinions is an important skill in communication. It allows you to express yourself confidently and engage in meaningful discussions. I'd be happy to provide you with some guidance. Can you tell me more about the challenges you face when defending your opinions? Sarah. Well, teacher, I often feel unsure about how to structure my arguments or respond to counterarguments. I worry that I won't be able to effectively convey my thoughts and end up feeling defeated in discussions. English teacher. I understand, Sarah. Defending your opinions can be challenging, but with some strategies and practice, you can become more confident. Let's start by discussing the structure of an argument. A well-structured argument usually consists of three main parts. An introduction, supporting evidence, and a conclusion. Sarah. That sounds helpful, teacher. Could you explain each part in more detail? English teacher. Of course, Sarah. The introduction sets the stage for your argument. Begin by clearly stating your opinion or position on the topic. This helps the listener understand your stance from the start. Next, provide a brief overview of the main points you will be presenting to support your opinion. Sarah. So, the introduction acts as a roadmap for the rest of the argument? English teacher. Exactly. It helps the listener follow along and anticipate the main points you will be discussing. Now, let's move on to supporting evidence. This is the backbone of your argument. Present facts, examples, or personal experiences that support your opinion. The more compelling and relevant your evidence, the stronger your argument becomes. Sarah. That makes sense, teacher. Providing evidence will help me back up my opinions and make them more convincing. English teacher. Precisely, Sarah. Strong evidence adds credibility to your argument. Be sure to choose your evidence carefully, ensuring it directly relates to the topic and supports your viewpoint. Lastly, let's discuss the conclusion. This is where you summarize your main points and restate your opinion, leaving a lasting impression on the listener. Sarah. I see. 
So, the conclusion should be a concise and powerful restatement of my opinion. English teacher. That's right, Sarah. It's your final opportunity to make a strong impression and leave the listener with a clear understanding of your stance. Now, let's address your concern about responding to counterarguments. When someone presents a counterargument, it's important to listen attentively and show respect for their viewpoint. Take a moment to understand their perspective and consider their reasoning. Sarah, what should I do after understanding their counterargument? English teacher, after understanding their viewpoint, respond by acknowledging their position and then provide a well-reasoned response. This can involve presenting further evidence, highlighting flaws in their reasoning, or offering alternative perspectives. Remember to stay calm and composed, maintaining a respectful tone throughout the discussion. Sarah, that's helpful advice, teacher. I'll make sure to listen carefully and respond thoughtfully when faced with counterarguments. English teacher, I'm glad to hear that, Sarah. Remember, defending your opinions is a skill that improves with practice. Engage in discussions, both formal and informal, where you can practice presenting and defending your viewpoints. The more you engage in these conversations, the more confident you'll become. Sarah, thank you, teacher. I appreciate your guidance and support. I feel more prepared now to defend my opinions effectively. English teacher, you're very welcome, Sarah. I'm here to support your growth as a communicator. If you have any more questions or need further guidance, don't hesitate to reach out. Keep practicing, and I'm confident you'll become an excellent defender of your opinions. Sarah, thank you so much, teacher. I will definitely keep practicing. Have a great day, English teacher. You're welcome, Sarah. I wish you all the best in your journey. Have a wonderful day too, and keep up the great work, English teacher. Good morning, Lisa. How are you today, Lisa? Good morning, teacher. I'm doing well, thank you. I wanted to talk to you about the word reasonable. I often hear people using it, but I'm not quite sure what it means. Can you help me understand? English teacher, absolutely, Lisa. Reasonable is a word that is frequently used in English. It refers to something that is fair, logical, sensible, or within the bounds of sound judgment. It indicates that an action, decision, or argument is based on rational thinking and is justifiable. Lisa, I see. So, when someone says that something is reasonable, it means it makes sense and is fair. English teacher. Exactly, Lisa. When something is deemed reasonable, it implies that it is both sensible and fair. It suggests that the decision or action is founded on logical thinking and can be justified or understood by others. Lisa, that makes sense, teacher. Can you give me some examples of how we can use reasonable in sentences? English teacher, of course, Lisa. Here are a few examples. One. It's reasonable to expect students to complete their assignments on time. Two, she made a reasonable request, asking for an extension on the deadline. Three, given the circumstances, it's only reasonable to expect some delays. Four, his arguments were well reasoned and presented in a reasonable manner. Five, the prices at that restaurant are quite reasonable, considering the quality of the food. Lisa, thank you, teacher. Those examples help me understand how reasonable can be used in different contexts. 
But how can we determine if something is reasonable or not? English teacher. That's a great question, Lisa. The determination of what is reasonable can vary depending on the situation and the perspectives of the people involved. However, some factors that are often considered when evaluating reasonableness include logic, fairness, common sense, and the context of the situation. It's important to consider multiple viewpoints and use critical thinking to assess the reasonableness of an action, decision, or argument. Lisa, I see, teacher. So, reasonableness is subjective and can differ from person to person based on their perspectives and understanding. English teacher, absolutely, Lisa. Reasonableness can indeed be subjective, as different individuals may have different interpretations or judgments about what is fair or logical. It's important to have open and respectful discussions to understand and appreciate different viewpoints when considering reasonableness. Lisa, that makes sense, teacher. It seems like being able to assess reasonableness is an important skill in communication and decision making. English teacher, you're absolutely right, Lisa. The ability to evaluate reasonableness helps us make informed decisions, engage in meaningful discussions, and build stronger relationships with others. It's a valuable skill to develop in both personal and professional contexts. Lisa, I appreciate your explanation, teacher. I feel like I have a better understanding of the word reasonable now. Thank you for your guidance, English teacher. You're very welcome, Lisa. I'm glad I could help. Remember, if you have any more questions or need further clarification, don't hesitate to reach out. I'm here to support your language learning journey. Lisa, thank you, teacher. I appreciate your support. Have a wonderful day, English teacher. You too, Lisa. Have a fantastic day ahead, and keep up the great work with your English studies, English teacher. Good afternoon, Mark. How are you today, Mark? Good afternoon, teacher. I'm doing well, thank you. I wanted to talk to you about the word refuse. I sometimes hear it used, but I'm not entirely sure what it means. Can you help me understand, English teacher? Certainly, Mark. Refuse is a verb that means to decline or reject something. It is often used when you say no to an offer, request, or invitation. When you refuse, you are saying that you do not want to accept or agree to something. Mark, I see. So, if someone offers me something and I don't want it, I can refuse it. English teacher, exactly, Mark. If you are presented with an offer or a request and you choose not to accept or comply with it, you can refuse. It's a way of politely declining or saying no to something. Mark, that makes sense, teacher. Can you provide me with some examples of how to use refuse in sentences? English teacher, absolutely, Mark. Here are a few examples. One, he politely refused the job offer because he had already accepted another position. Two, she refused to lend her car to her friend because she was concerned about its safety. Three. The company refused to lower the price of the product despite the customer's request. Four, the teacher refused to accept late assignments as per the class policy. Five, they refused the invitation to the party because they already had other plans. Mark, thank you, teacher. Those examples help me understand how refuse is used in different contexts. But how can we refuse something politely without causing offense? English teacher.
That's an important consideration, Mark. Politely refusing something is crucial to maintain good relationships and avoid causing offense. Here are a few tips for refusing politely. 1. Use polite language. Start your response with a polite phrase, such as thank you for the offer, but, or I appreciate your invitation, but. 2. Give a reason if possible. It can help to provide a reason for your refusal. For example, you could say, I'm sorry, but I already have plans for that day or I'm afraid I can't lend you my car because I need it myself. 3. Express gratitude. Even if you are declining an offer or request, it's important to show gratitude for the thought or consideration. For instance, you could say, I really appreciate your kindness, but. 4. Offer an alternative if appropriate. If you can, suggest an alternative solution or offer assistance in another way. This shows that you still want to be helpful despite declining. For example, you could say, I'm unable to help with that, but I can recommend someone who might be able to assist you. Remember, the key is to be respectful and considerate when refusing something. Mark. Thank you, teacher. Those tips are really helpful. I will keep them in mind to ensure I refuse something politely and without causing offense. English teacher. You're welcome, Mark. I'm glad to hear that the tips are useful. Polite communication is essential in various situations, and knowing how to refuse politely is an important skill to have. Mark. I appreciate your guidance, teacher. I feel more confident now in understanding and using the word refuse correctly. Thank you for your help. English teacher. You're very welcome, Mark. I'm here to support your language learning journey. If you have any more questions or need further clarification, feel free to ask. Keep up the great work with your English studies. Mark. Thank you, teacher. I appreciate your support. Exclamation mark have a wonderful day. English teacher. You too, Mark. Have a fantastic day ahead and keep up the excellent progress.